0: So good morning, again, I'm so thankful to be here. I wanna thank um, uh, the pastoral team here and just all the different people that have prayed with me this week and have helped me get to this point right here. It takes a whole lot of people to get me to a point where I can actually do what I believe God has called me to do, amen? So thank you, uh, you know, we're, we're in the book of Matthew, we're continuing in our series in, in Matthew, and this morning we'll be in, in chapter nine. Last week we had a, we heard a wonderful sermon from uh, Pastor Kazimbo, and uh, I loved his, his title or his main idea was desperation can build our faith. I loved that. And one of the reasons I loved it is because I had whispered to my wife That's my title for my text next week. (laughs) And so as we continue our journey and moving alongside Matthew uh, this morning, I want to talk about seeing through the eyes of faith. Seeing through the eyes of faith. And how in doing that, it produces hope. So that's our main idea this morning. I believe that God is gonna enable us to begin to see through the eyes of faith and that's going to produce hope in our lives this morning. And I need you to pay close attention, no matter what age, pay close attention because I want you as I begin to share God's word and and share the narratives in the text, I want you to look for yourself in there. Amen? I want you to look for yourself and I, wanna, I want you to be, be sensitive to God prompting you in that. Because at the end of our time today, I'm gonna ask you to begin to see through the eyes of faith and to begin to exercise your faith. Is that okay if I do that this morning? Can I put that out there? That we would do that as a church, as the body of Christ? That we would begin to exercise our faith. So let's begin with our first, first story. Um, if you're new here this morning, there are Bibles. We have brown Bibles in front of you in the pews. Um, if you could grab that Bible and turn to page 790. Otherwise, for everyone else, we're in chapter 9 of Matthew. And we'll be looking at verses 27 through 38. And I'll be walking slowly through those in sections. So starting with verse 27... When you get there, someone say amen. I'm trying to get somebody talking in here this morning. (laughs) Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. Jesus went on from there. Two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men followed him, and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, will it be done for you? And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. Last week, we heard about these miracles that are occurring. We heard about the ruler whose whose daughter had died and she was raised from the dead. We heard about the woman with the issue of blood and how she reached in and touched the hem of his garment and, and was healed. And so as you can imagine, this is getting out. Even without social media, people are talking and crowds are starting to form. And the text says that news about him is spreading all throughout the region. When I began looking at this text, I always look for those things that just shout at me. They just stand up off the page. And those shouts of the blind men are what stood out. Have mercy on us, son of David. What is this? And I can't be too quick to run to the, the commentary. I have to begin to pray about that. What, what, what is this? Son of David. This is actually the first time Matthew uses this phrase. Son of David. Now this gives us some clues into what the people are saying about who Jesus is. He's not just some miracle worker. There's, there, it's, it's loaded. It's loaded son of David, who is this? Well, they would have known, the people of Israel would have known the son of David. It would would be a phrase that they would be waiting to pronounce and say and declare. And so in 2 Samuel, chapter 7, 11 through 12, the prophet Nathan is speaking to David. here's what they would have known about the son of David. We read about the word of the Lord coming to the prophet Nathan and telling him to tell David, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up from your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body and will establish his kingdom. Now who else could be doing these types of works that's happening? It would have to be the son of David. I mean, things are rippling up now. There's an excitement in the community. Could this be the son of David? And I love how this starts with the, the two blind men, because the two blind men, they would have a, 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 a personal, a personal. Um, need, something that would touch their life deeply that they would need that only the son of David could meet. You see, they haven't, their eyes haven't been restored yet. They can't see yet, but they're actually seeing through the eyes of faith. And this faith is compelling them. It's moving them so much so that they're reaching out to people. You need to help me. You need, you need to, to guide me because the son of David has come. That's exciting. But only if you, can, if you can be sensitive to that need, if you can relate to having a need that only God could meet. Amen? Amen? so they're beginning to see with the eyes of faith. It's important that when we read these gospel narratives, we don't move too quickly and miss the humanity written in the divine text. See, we can do that as we, we read it so many times and it's just a, another story to read. But if we, if we use our sanctified imaginations, I like to put it that way. My wife is laughing at that point sanctified imaginations, brings us into the text. And we can imagine, it begins to promote questions. Uh, how, how could they get to Jesus? How, how could, there's crowds forming. How are they making their way? And what's very interesting about this is, as they're shouting, Jesus keeps walking. The text says that he just went into the house. See, there's something about a faith that brings about an audacity. I love Brother Carson in that song he was just singing. I want to be in the room. And what we know about God is he's so welcoming. He looks for that. He likes to see that desperation. He's looking for faith. Matter of fact, we would go on to learn that when he comes again, he'll be looking for faith. And there's something about knowing the Word of God and having the Word of God planted in you that you can't be denied. That faith, it isn't something that, that, that you own or, or initiated. It's something that He does in you. It's something that begins to rise up in you and I, I, I don't know what's happening with me. I don't, I don't know why I'm changing, but there's something occurring within me There's a faith compelling me to move closer to Jesus. And that's what's happening. The words of Isaiah would be bubbling up in them right now. Isaiah 35, verse 5 says, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. When? When this son of David appears. And these blind men catch on to that. And there's nothing about to hinder them from stepping into the very presence of Jesus. And they do that. Look at the boldness of that. It says that they just walk in the house. And they sit down in the presence of the living God. Oh, that's so amazing that he would just allow them in in that way because of their faith. Their faith moved them right into the presence of the living God and Jesus speaks to them and asks them a question. He's relatable, a king, the son of David, a a king, asking them questions and he takes it one step further. He actually touches them. He moves in to their pain. He moves in to their need. I wonder who the Lord has here today that God is wanting to move in to your pain. And touch you right where your heart is yearning to be touched. Touched. His face sees what man cannot see. And he heals them. And notice, it's, it's not about the size of their faith. It's not about this great faith. It's the fact that they had faith at all. Uh, just a little inkling of it. The fact that they're just trying to follow him shows him something. And he's listening and watching Now, it would have been nice. It would have been nice if the story closed right there with this awesome miracle and and we could move on, but it doesn't end there because Jesus warns them sternly, do not tell anyone about this. And in their humanity in our humanity, wouldn't you think, why not go tell someone about this? This is amazing. Why wouldn't I? And our thinking, why wouldn't I? But notice Jesus asks them, do you think I can do this? And then they make this bold statement, yes, Lord. Then he responds back sternly, do not say anything about this. And in their human reasoning, which we do, they go about their way thinking, you know, perhaps, why not? The point here I want to draw is that it's not about the miracles. It's not about the, 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 the healing and everything that happened in there. It's more about obeying the word of the Lord. But still, the question is, why wouldn't, why wouldn't he? Right, Tom, why wouldn't you want people to know? And why why wouldn't you say anything? And why, 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 you know, just, that's how I act. That's, that's how I felt. Why not tell everybody? And then through studying this, there's a, a few things. There's three things that we can touch on that might point to the reasoning for this. The first one is called the messianic secret. It's a big term and very, you know, seminary-ish and everything. But this is particularly important in Mark's gospel, but also in Matthew's too. The son of David would have been a popular way of referring to the Messiah, but Jesus is trying to avoid being understood as a political Messiah. They would need to know the full story of the gospel, which would include suffering. And that's the point I really wanna make there. Because how awful would it be if he was to present this message or present this in a way that only... uh, emphasized the miracles and the healing. And it left out the suffering. There's no suffering there. There's no, no theology of suffering. And, and when this happens, if we base our lives on just healing and prosperity and all these good things, when suffering happens, we just fall away. That's what's so dangerous about health and wealth and prosperity and God wants to do all this. But what about when I have to face the suffering? And Jesus wants to make sure you know, this is who I am. This is what I've come to do. But there's more to the story. There will be a great suffering that will take place. And those that are my disciples will be told to follow me. And so the full story hasn't been told yet. Number two, modesty. I love this. Whenever you see Jesus about to heal some, somebody, oftentimes he would bring them indoors or he would take just a few. Jesus isn't in the business of show business. The next, and I think this is really where uh, most of us are, is the testing of their faith. Jesus may have thought if these men are serious, they'll follow me. Sometimes the testing of of our faith brings us into a more intimate relationship with him. Isn't that true? There has been nothing better for my walk with the Lord in terms of him growing me in my faith than suffering. Matter of fact, the prosperity... And the other things have often caused me to move further away from God. But it was the suffering or the participation in the suffering that brings about growth. We're commanded to delight in our sufferings. For we're participating with Christ. Amen. Got real quiet in here although it was already quiet, so. Now, when we read this story, it demonstrates the principle of how seeing through the eyes of faith produces hope, which ultimately leads to forms of healing. However, that's good for them, right? This is a a perfect scenario of what faith should look like. I got a couple amens on that. You know, we're going to have faith and we're going to follow Christ, whatever it takes. But that isn't always us, is it? That's great news for that situation and for these two blind men. But I'm struggling in my faith. You see, I, I I don't have the ability this morning to see through the eyes of faith. I need help this morning. And this next story is really where I believe God really wants to hone in on us this morning. Because sometimes you need help. Your faith needs help. Sometimes you need someone to help you along. Amen? Listen to this, verse 32. While they were going out, Jesus' day is far from done. A man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisee said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. I love how Matthew is directing us through the Holy Spirit because this story also points back to the book of Isaiah. Listen to Isaiah 35, verse six. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Now, when I read this, I thought about he was mute and just trapped, and I thought about his facial expressions and maybe the tears that were coming from his face because he's bound by Satan. Can you imagine that? What that would look like, What seeing someone like that. And then I took it a step further. I'm surrounded by people that are making all types of facial expressions. They might not be able to articulate what's going on with them, what they're dealing with, but there's sounds coming in some way, there's actions occurring, there's things that are happening. And then I imagine maybe it's their family members. Maybe it's a few friends. I don't know. We got to get him. I just heard that the son of David, he's, he's here. I, I seen that he, he raised someone from the dead. I, I seen that the blind eyes are open and We got to get him there. See, there's a heart. There's a heart that is beating with faith that is ready to bring people to Jesus can you hear that pulse? This is the heartbeat of the church. It should be ready in seeing through the eyes of faith, at all times, and leading and asking and inviting people to Christ. And this is what is occurring here. And this one right here is the one that really struck personally to me in my own life. Because just like this demon-possessed man, he needed someone to bring him to Jesus. There was a time where I needed someone to bring me to Jesus. I was 19 years old. I had reached my breaking point at 19 years old. My girlfriend at the time had just left me and she left me because I wasn't doing anything with my life, she said. I wasn't gonna be nobody. I had no sense of purpose, no, no meaning in life. We lived in Muskegon on the border of Muskegon and Muskegon Heights. In a junkie house, a raggedy house is what I would, I would refer it to. And in that house, everything was broken. That's one of the things I, I remember most. Everything was broken. Windows were broken. Doors were broken. Duct tape and plastic. Toaster's broken. Got to use a butter knife to get the top of the bread, make sure it's toasted good so that you can get it out. Telephone broken because it's being thrown around and whatever. Everything was broken around me. I wonder if anyone here can relate to that. Oh, you may not live in the junkie house with everything broken, but do you feel like your marriage is broken and you have no hope? Maybe you feel like your child is broken and you have no hope. Or for you younger people, you kids, maybe you feel like your parents are broken and you have no hope. Or maybe you feel like this world is broken and you have no hope. I was surrounded with brokenness all around me. And so I thought one day, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm just going to take my life. I remember that morning I gave my mother a hug. I gave my little sister a hug. And I left that morning and I remember it was a rainy day and I can still see, I can still see the raindrops hitting the parking lot floor of the the, uh, store I was about to enter into to buy these pills. Walked into the store, I got the pills and I'm just at that point. You ever been at a point where you're just so desperate? I mean, when I read the story about these people that are so desperate to get to Jesus, I can relate because I was desperate. I had no hope. And so I bought the pills. And on the way home, I'm, 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 I'm sobbing. I'm, <laughs> you know, those <laughs> type of cries. I'm just, I'm crying like a little kid. And on my way home, I, there was something strange occurred. Something told me to go to the neighbor's house that had been inviting me to church. Now, I hadn't been going to church, nor did I want to go to church, but she was inviting me to church. And so I went over there. I knocked on the door. She answered the door, and I immediately said, I'm thinking about taking my life. I don't want to do it. Can you help me? And she looked at me. She got a smile on her face. She invited me in. She told me about Jesus and and the cross. And and then the next day she took me to church. It was a Tuesday, I believe. (laughs) And and, and this is the part where it just gets crazy. And this is what happened. This is what happened. I can't, this is what happened. I'm just warning you. So she introduces me to a guy by the name of Rodney. He's a minister there. Rodney asked me, what's happening? What's going on, brother? I said, man, you know, my this and that, you know, I just don't feel like living no more. He said, I want to pray for you. And this is where my connection to the story with the blind man comes in with this demonic oppression. He began to pray for me. And I remember I'm standing in this room and the lady that invited me to church she's in the, she's out in the hallway and I got my hands up in the air cuz he told me to put my hands up in the air and I'm praying and he told me God was going to heal me and take this pain away and I believe that's faith rising up amen but I had to take some steps right so I put my hands up in the air and I remember just thinking I didn't know how to pray take the pain away take the pain away he said the lord I feel the lord about to touch you right now and he touched my stomach and I just started vomiting Now I'm just, I don't really know what's happening now. I started apologizing to him because I threw up on his carpet. He said, no, you don't need to worry about that. Don't worry about that. I need to keep praying for you. I got my hands in the air. He says, the Lord wants to feel you even more. He's praying for me. And then he says it. And I remember he, he's listening almost. He says, right now the Lord's about to fill you. And he touched my stomach and I just started vomiting again. But this time I felt like, like something had entered my body, like something had changed, like something old was gone and something new had come. I began to, to, to shout like the two blind men. I got Jesus in me. It wasn't son of David, but it was, I got Jesus in me. He is in me. There was a joy that was just, just infused my body. Jesus had filled me up. Something was driven out and something new had come. Amen. And so just like like Matthew, I wish the story would end there. I wish the story would end there, but it doesn't. Because in our text this morning after that occurred, you see this phrase, but the Pharisee said he's doing it by the prince of demons. And so despite of God's goodness and his grace, there's still the sinfulness of man that shows. And so this occurred in my life, this great infilling, this, this, this moment that I, 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 can't, I don't even know how to articulate what happened that day. But did I continue to walk faithfully before the Lord and all was well after that moment? I wish I could say I did, but I didn't. That's the point. It's not about all the mountaintop moments. It's about obeying and being centered upon the word of God. There'll be mountaintop moments. There'll be healings. There'll be these different things. But what is most important, especially in these times, is that we stand upon the word of God. That the word of God is deeply within us so much so that we can easily grab people's hands and bring them to Jesus. Amen. You should be shouting right now on that one. And so I need to take a moment because I can't just put that out there and, and, and say that I'm at a point like that and about to, to end my life and just move on. Just like we can't just move through the, the, the text and these narratives quickly, we can't move through our stories quickly as well. And so I know with a crowd this size that there may people here, be people here right now in this moment that feel that very way that feel like they're at their breaking point, that feel like that they're at that stage where I just can't do this no more. I can't, I can't do this no more in my marriage. I, I can't do this no more in my, in my career, in my job. Things ain't turning out the way I wanted them to turn out. I'm at a point I don't know what to do. I just Sometimes I feel I don't even want to go home sometimes. I just want to keep driving. Because I'm at a point. I need help. I need someone. I need need to begin seeing through the eyes of faith. And I can't do that on my own. This is the message that Jesus brings to us, that we can't do it on our own. None of us can. This is the whole point of the cross, of his suffering, of his coming, is so that we could begin to see through the eyes of faith because of his death burial and resurrection. Amen. Amen. Lastly, and I'm running out of time. Verse 35. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. That was right. Verse 35. Sorry about that. Jesus is being, you know, just straight with them. Look, it, it, it's, yeah, it's a big job we got to do here. You've seen now. Matthew's almost summarizing the situation. You, you've seen all this. You've been with me. It's a big job to do. And he tells them the workers are going to be few. But I love that next phrase. He says, ask. Or as we would say here, Pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers. That's you and me. If you're a disciple, if if you know Jesus, that's him not saying maybe you should pray. That's saying pray. And we know that if we pray according to God's will, he answers. That means we have work to do. Amen? That means that this body here is able to go out and find those lost. We're the ones that are looking for the, the mute. We're looking for the blind people. We're looking for the people that need to meet Jesus. And so if you are already seeing through the eyes of faith, this is for you. I wonder how many people the blind men had to ask, would you bring me? before he got someone to bring him. I wonder how many people God is asking you to bring. Amen? And if you're here this morning and and you don't know, you don't have have the ability to see through the eyes of faith, I want to pray with you this morning. You know, I said earlier that I wanted you to pay close attention because if there was any part of this message that you would see yourself or relate in some way, I said I wanted to give you an opportunity to move by faith. I wanted to give you an opportunity to exercise your faith, and so that's what I want to do now without any music or any, any trying to create any ambiance or anything like that. I just want to be for real serious before the Lord, our hearts before the Lord in this moment. There are people here that need to begin seeing through the eyes of faith. There are people here that are already seeing through the eyes of faith that need God, to show them and point them and direct them to those that are lost, hurting, and broken. So with every head bowed, I'm going to pray. (sighs) Father, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share your word. I thank you, Lord, for... um, what you've put on my heart today to share regarding seeing through the eyes of faith. And Lord, and I think of those men, I think of the men in our stories today and how they had to exercise their faith. And so Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would come now over every heart and mind now in this place. And I pray, Lord, that you give us the opportunity to exercise our faith, that you would see a people that are ready to advance your kingdom, that are ready to respond to your call. And so all over this church this morning, if there's anyone here today, maybe you don't even know, you, you don't even know the Lord, you don't even know this son of David, I don't, I don't know anything about that. And you wanna know him, I wanna pray with you. Or maybe you're here this morning, you feel like you've been put on the shelf in some way and you're ready to say, God, I wanna be off the shelf. I wanna be used by you to advance your kingdom. I'm gonna ask you to do a bold move right now if you're here in this church today. And if that speaks to anyone here today, I'm gonna ask you to stand in this moment. I'm gonna ask you just to be bold. Bold. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you. I see you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Cause us to stand by your Holy Spirit. Give them the ability to listen to your voice right now. Yes, I see you in the back. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Who else, Lord? Who else, Lord? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Tell them, Lord, speak to their hearts now, for you are about to do something in their lives right now. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Lord, for just the hush in this room right now. I thank you, Father, that um, you're doing something right now in the lives of your people. And so I pray, Lord, right now that your hand would touch the hearts of those standing right now. I pray for those that are far from you, Lord, that you bring them close, that they will proclaim you as Lord. And I pray for those, Lord, that have just been on the shelf, so to speak. I pray now by your spirit, you would begin to flood their hearts and empower them by your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray a hedge of protection over them as well. Lord, that this would be a season, Lord, that your grace would flood their hearts. I pray, Lord, for those where there have been things that have lain dormant, Lord, that th- those things would begin to be made alive right now in this moment, that dreams and vision, things that have been set aside would now come to life now. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in this place, for what you're beginning, that you are changing lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, hallelujah.